This is the Payback Time Podcast, where we interview driven individuals who have achieved or are well on their way to achieving financial freedom. We break down the steps required to generate leveraged income, including but not limited to stock investing, online business, traditional business, and real estate. Each episode breaks down the mistakes made, victories achieved, and the overall journey that led them to where they are today. Sean Tepper is your host, and here is today's episode. My next guest is a young entrepreneur who found a niche in the Amazon account management space. He helps Amazon sellers achieve more freedom by managing their supply chain and customer service. Although his business is a service business, he's applied his engineering talents to the business operations, which is allowing him to quickly scale. At a young age, he's already off to an impressive start. Please welcome Zach Jensen. Zach, how's it going? Very well. How are you doing? Hey, doing well. Thanks a lot for joining me. Of course. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. First off, if you could give the audience your career backstory. Yes, of course. So I am fairly young and I graduated college in 2000 and the end of 2017. And from there, I did some digital marketing, um, had an agency for a part of the 2018. And then from there, I was on the search to join a startup company. And um, I moved from Colorado back to Wisconsin, which I'm originally from. And I networked my tail off and um, it all worked out. And I found a company that I was excited to join. And this company was um, one person. So mm-hmm. joined really at the ground floor and that was exactly what I was looking for. I was looking for the experience in learning what it takes um, as well as learning from someone who is doing it. So that is the exact experience that I got, which I was very excited for and joined that. And that was um, drinking from the fire hose. So jump in sure. and buckle up and get going. So um, we sold on Amazon. We sold hard goods on Amazon and I was with them for a year. It went fantastic. We hit, we surpassed our goals and um, it was a great learning experience personally, as well as through from a you know from a personal development aspect, as well as from the business development aspect. And then coming into this this current year here, 2020, in the spring of 2020, I decided to go out on my own and do more of a um, uh, account management agency. So I was working for a company, and now I'm st- structuring my business into an Amazon account management agency for business owners looking to use their Amazon business to help build the lifestyle they desire. Sweet. Okay. So it sounds like the work you were doing at this tech startup is very similar to the work you're doing now. It's probably a pretty easy transition. Is that correct? That is very correct. Yes. And did you just make the leap without any income or did you line up some clients while you were at this other agency or this, uh, this tech startup? Yeah, the, it was a leap. So the way that I, the way that I, um, I operate is um, we, the founder that I worked with at the tech startup, um, we had a great relationship and I knew that I wanted to move on to pursue other things. I didn't know what that was yet, um, but I knew I wanted to move on. So I gave him, a, um, I gave him um, about a month and a half. I said, hey, 
well, first off, I asked them, how much for you. do you need? And then we decided on about a month and a half for me to transition the side of the business that I was working on onto him. So certain standard operating procedures, Passover contacts, documents, all those mm-hmm. things. And then after that, I really just walked out of that door and was looking around and thinking about what, what to do next. So I took a um, few months to network more, pursue a few interests, and then decided you know what, my highest marketable value is the fact that I have a lot of experience in the Amazon realm, in Amazon account management and doing everything that involves with it. So here we go. Let's start this up. Yep. If you could tell us the name of the company and then the exact services you provide. Yes. So the name of the company is Stoked Stores and it can be a full encompassing Amazon account agency or it can be a la carte. So that is how it's currently structured. Tell us about the types of individuals or businesses you serve that are selling products on Amazon. Yes, so these would be the the kinds of people that saw, did not have, possibly did not have a business before um, getting onto Amazon, Mm -hmm. or they are looking to transition their lifestyle using Amazon as that tool. So these people that um, I'm working with are people who look at Amazon as a platform to launch products as well as develop the lifestyle that they choose in the ways that they're not fulfilling these products. They do not have to build these products. Right. That nature. So they usually have a supplier and then um, they send it directly in for FBA fulfillment by Amazon. And then they do everything from their computer. And many times these people are taking a couple of years to build this asset up. And then they're at a point where it's creating some revenue um, that uh, they're happy with. And now they want to start pursuing the things that they started it for. So whether that's more time with their family, whether that's pursuing some hobbies or starting another business. And mm-hmm. now they have this machine that's going and they need somebody to manage it. And that's where I come in. Awesome. I have interviewed one other individual who has an Amazon FBA business and he's sold multiple products. I want to go into the stages at which you help a business like this. So the beginning stage I imagine is LLC and another stage would be, you know, supplying the product, which I know you can go to Alibaba. And then there's another stage, which is marketing. Could you kind of walk us through the various stages you're serving people at? Yeah, right now my sweet spot has been working with people who have already done majority of that. Okay. Um, I have experience in doing all of that and I'm open to talking to people and seeing what their needs are. But right now my sweet spot has been the people that have sourced their products, mm-hmm. have whether that's through Alibaba or um, a domestic one, yep. and they have their supply chain set up and now they just need somebody to manage it. That has been my sweet spot. Got it. So you're actually managing the business, the, the operations. You're not just marketing, but you're, you're managing operations so they can kind of step away and they're taking a cut of the revenue. And it sounds like, are you taking a cut to the revenue or do you just charge a monthly fee? I charge a monthly fee. Yes. Got it. Based upon um, um, initial discussions. Okay. So before we go into some of the the economics a little bit, tell us about the specific like managerial services you're providing to operate a business like this. Yes. So the two largest time suckers. So when it comes to, (laughs) 
when it comes to the people that I'm looking to work with, they are looking for more time for yes. themselves to do their other things because they want to have a specific lifestyle. So the mm -hmm. two largest time suckers are inventory management as well sure. as customer relations. So yes. those two, the first two that I offload from them because um, those are two ones that I have been able to do successfully and replicate certain models and spreadsheets that I work with. Um, mm -hmm. for inventory management and then the customer relations that is understanding the voice of the company as yes. well as understanding for me understanding the products and all the different um, all the different specifications so those are the the two that get offloaded first and those are the ones that are most important and after that then it is case by case based upon each company which needs they might have some some companies might have a need to protect their IP. So, hey, mm -hmm. you know, that is their their problem. So they have to go um, search to make sure nobody's infringing on that. So that might be one extra a la carte. But those are the two main ones is inventory management and as well as the customer relations. Let's take a quick commercial break. The backstory on Ticker has a not so glamorous, humble beginning. I've been investing for the last 10 years, but the first five years, I focused only on angel investing. In other words, I would invest time or money in private tech startups with a goal in mind to sell that tech startup for a 10x multiple. Needless to say, that's a lot easier said than done. In fact, I never achieved that result. I actually lost money 90% of the time. After five years of consistent losses, I had to make a change. What I was doing wasn't working. Since I couldn't find success as an angel investor in the private market, I took a step back and turned my attention to the public market, but I took a different approach. See, I knew billionaire investors did not guess their way to the accumulation of massive wealth. They don't use emotions, feelings, and beliefs. They use logic, and the foundation of logic is math. This is when I decided to read as many boring investment books as I could to see if I could understand that math. See, publicly traded companies have historical data you can use to calculate the trajectory of a business. I applied my software engineering background to create an algorithm and within the same year, I achieved a 15% return compared to the market average of 6%. And then went on to refine the algorithm and achieve returns ranging between 15% and 50% over the next few years. Then things got really interesting. In the summer of 2019, I backtested ticker through the 2008 recession, and in 2008, the S&P 500 went down 38%, while ticker went up 24%. I then backtested ticker from 1999 through 2019, and ticker has proven to beat the market every year. The lowest return was 10%, and the highest return was 96%. That is the moment when I decided I can't keep this algorithm for myself. I need to turn this into a platform to share with others. That's when I decided to create Ticker. If you're looking to make significantly higher returns in the market, Ticker is perfect for you. Go ahead and get signed up with a free trial. Visit ticker.pro. I'd like to go a little deeper into each of those because I, I, I want to understand what you're actually doing because then maybe you could brainstorm a little bit how you automate each of these paths. I have a background in you know, automating processes with software, my, my IT background. So I'm very curious where, or where this labor, this pain is really falling. So let's, let's jump into the inventory management. What does that really entail? Yes. So that is the, the way that I structure it is jumping in there, 
looking at it weekly. So every week, okay. in, looking at every single product that the company has, mm -hmm. and then looking at what the levels are currently at, and then using the past um, 60 to 90 days of sales to figure out, to estimate what the forecast would be for the next few months. Oh, and then through there, um, most sellers have multiple suppliers. So you have to factor in multiple different lead times. So whether maybe, maybe a supplier needs three weeks before they can pick something up, yep. but some suppliers are very efficient and are doing this day in and day out. So you can tell them, Hey, in two days, we're going to ship something up. So using, knowing that your um, timelines are completely different based upon the suppliers. So one of the first steps is to go through and figure out what those lead times are and then go through, and this is based upon the company's comfort level in, um, in, in how much inventory they are comfortable with keeping in stock, mm -hmm. meaning do they have the money to keep that in stock? And then um, how much do they want to risk running low? Because you can run a very tight ship where it's, you know, just in time, but it might not be just in time. Every time you might sure. run out and that can heal you, that can hurt your seller, um, seller account. So, um, it comes down to the comfort level as well as how much cash they have to be able to put that inventory in. So then from there you decide what these lead times are going to be and what, um, what inventory stock level you're going to shoot for. So then every week I go through and I have a spreadsheet where I created yep. some um, formulas in there that'll help me easily identify when we, need to, when we need to order and up to how many months or weeks or days of inventory. Sure. And then from there, based upon the, again, the supplier's availability um, to, to get orders out, that's that's where we talk about you know how frequent are these orders your question yeah no that makes perfect sense it's it's really i i get it now it's managing the inventory numbers and those lead times and i'm sure that varies per customer it's not like a template for every customer right yes exactly and the because i'm very much like you where i like to automate things where hey <laughs> pop these things in, click a button, go, you know, check in when, you know, my standard operating procedure, when it says check in, you check in. But um, the unfortunate part about that is there's, you know, it doesn't always go that way. Right. And, and if you think it will, then you will be put in some tricky positions many times. Just recently, an example where Amazon is now limiting how many units you can sell, you can send in because they're getting ready for the peak season. Yep. And from there, then you have to, then you have to completely change how your ordering process is. You might have to be more frequent. You might not be able to ship up to the certain amount of inventory that you are comfortable with having in stock. It changes based on the month. And then um, sometimes sales can be down in a slump or with the current pandemic, we, um, one of my clients luckily did better during the pandemic. And then you have to count for that because now your, your forecasts aren't um, accurate. So now you have to either order more or order less. So to the best degree I can, I automate it, but it needs that attention, that personal attention to be jumping in there to understand that no matter what your, you know, your, what program, what formula you create, there's going to be 
problems with it. Maybe it's even a, a truck that doesn't show up on time and then totally. passes and now you're out of inventory. So those things that you really have to count for. That's impressive. I've got to pause here. Talk about your education. Did you go to school for supply chain or engineering? Uh, I did not. So I started, <laughs> out, <laughs> I started out as a mechanical engineering major and I did that for a year. And the reason I did that was because I really enjoyed physics. I really enjoyed math. And I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed solid works. So like 3d modeling. Yes. And uncle was a, uncle was an engineer. Grandpa was an engineer. Brothers were engineers. Uh, so it was in the family. So I started out in that. And then I realized that I like to have a larger scope of what's going on in a, in a business organization. Sure. So with that in mind, I stepped into the business, um, school and from there, I got a business admin um, major with an emphasis in marketing, actually. So I took two supply chain classes and I um, ended up graduating with, through the degree that I had, they call it a cross core, but it was basically a minor in engineering technology. So hmm. I enjoy data and I like data, but that is not my the emphasis of my education. It's something that I've Enjoyed, sure. learned, and continue to craft. I give you credit. And I had to ask that question because supply chain is not an easy feat. Either you get it or you don't. And all the little nuances and you explain the truck situation and there's other things you can't control like weather, the economies, the, the trade. You know, last summer there were the trade wars going on between the U.S. and China. I know things haven't um, totally improved since then, but there's still, there's volatility you cannot control. You've got to be nimble enough to go along with it. So that's where a software, yeah, you, you can't automate that. It's uh, human decision-making skills are, are needed. Um, exactly. That is exactly yeah. true. You can do as much as possible. And then even today I was going through with one client and we looked at, we looked at one product. Why is it going to run out very soon, sooner than we expected? Right. And then we evaluate our ordering process. So, Hey, we tried something, for some reason didn't work. Where's, you know, in program, you can say, where's the bug? And you had to figure out where, where the problem is. Yes. Yep. Totally get it. Okay. Well, let's transition to the customer relations components. So, so what are you doing there? Yes. So that is mainly through that is websites as well as Amazon. So there's a few parts of it. There's the website. If the company has a website and like an then, e-commerce website. Yes. So they have, Many times they have an e-commerce website where they, it might just be info. Um, they might not sell anything on that website, Sure. And, but people can contact them through it. So their website, their email, and then through seller central, the buyer seller messaging. So there's that as well as questions and reviews that come into each product. Got so it. many times people are asking questions directly on the listing and you want to be the one that answers that, or at least one of the people that answer it, or else um, many times other people can go, other customers can go answer it for you. And then it leaves out the voice that you want to give for that question. So yep. those are the multiple platforms where I uh, work with customers. Okay. Yep. That gives me a good idea of what you're doing day to day there. You know, if you stack these two pain points of labor next to each other, I do find the probably the customer relations component is probably going to be easier for you to train and offload. I would imagine the supply chain is a little more complex. 
Yes, that is, that is very correct. And the supply chain has you know, has a lot more downside if something goes wrong. Yes. So <laughs> the, the, most times the customer relations side, you can recover from. You can delete yes. things or say, I apologize. And this is what we actually mean, things of that nature. But um, when it comes to the supply chain, if you missed an order, missed a shipment, truck didn't show up, that can be hundreds, thousands of dollars in lost revenue or ex extra expenses. Yes, totally. Okay, got it. All right, so let's dive into the economics a little bit. From a range from a low end to high end, what do you typically charge your customers per month? Yes, so the low end, it's really, it's very much um, case by case with coming into these customers. So, um, mm -hmm. because what I've found was these customers are not looking for a, many companies are out there as the very similar thing that I'm doing. But many times these customers that I'm reaching out to, these lifestyle people, are not a large company that has um, a huge operation with extra money to blow left and right. These are yeah. entrepreneurs building lifestyle businesses. So they are not spending fluffy money. They are not putting money out there that they don't need to. They think through their dollars. So. So many, many of these agencies are reaching towards the, you know, larger companies that have huge budgets. So many times people can go off of, let's say like a $10,000 per month for um, their services based upon the profit. That's normally what these agencies are doing. But what I've found is to work directly with the, the, um, the client to see mm -hmm. what they can afford and then based upon what they can afford, what I'm going to charge them personally, as well as what I can offer for that. So currently the structure is not a, you know, one size fit all. Okay. It goes into, okay, what, is, what can the company afford? What are they, and what are they willing to offload? And then can we find a win-win situation there? So sometimes it might mean, you know, maybe we don't want to offload that because that would be a little too expensive. We're going to keep that in-house. So to answer your question, there's not a there's not a good range to give you just because it is very case by case. Can you give examples of what you've been charging your customers from low end to high end just to give the audience some hard data? Yeah, yeah. It can be from um, and of course it depends upon how much they offload, but it can be from three thousand up to eight thousand dollars per month. Wow. Okay. And Typically, the size of these businesses, is it like one owner operator or they're maybe just a handful of employees? Give us an idea of the size. Yeah, right now, the sweet, like I mentioned, the sweet spot is two to three people involved. So whether that's one right. owner and employees or two owners, things of that nature. And how many clients can you manage at once? The reason I ask that is I'm thinking about the the supply chain work, the inventory management, as well as the customer relations, you know, your time can be maxed out. I assume you probably calculated a, um, a max capacity or a max clients that you can serve on your own. Can you give us an idea of that number? Yeah. So it's roughly, I would say right now, um, I'm in a unique situation, but I would say based upon what I assume most clients are looking for and can afford it would be two clients um, for for my individual attention and then okay. from there um, I'm working to right now I'm 
leaning towards finding more people to um, offload work too. So yes. growing this agency. Yep. So I would say two clients per person is, um, of course, it's based upon their needs, but that's the average. Got it. No, that sounds very reasonable. I look at this as almost comparable to like a project manager. Like when you're a PM for a bigger organization, you're not... In many cases, you don't have one project. You have two, sometimes three, sometimes four, but the fourth one could be kind of small. <laughs> but it, it sounds like if you've got two solid projects or two clients for one person, you know, you're charging between 3000 8000 and you're just a new business here. I could see those fees going up. It's a pretty lucrative business model you got there. And it's it, it sounds like it's very repeatable. Like if you get people trained and up to speed on the what does inventory management look like and what does the customer relations look like? You can duplicate that business model. Definitely. Definitely. There's, of course, there's the learning based upon um, the individual client on, like I mentioned with the customer relations and what the voice Mm -hmm. of the company is going to be and what their risk tolerances and how in their inventory as well as how much cash they have on hand. But um, it's, it's very replicable. Right. Um, can you give us an idea how much time do you save a like a business owner that I'm assuming it's got to be one of your selling points like when they're talking to you like they may let's say they're working 40 or 50 hours what do you take that down to can you give us some of the sellable metrics Um, that is something that I have not worked through yet and okay um, sales point on but the main thing that I'm I'm slowly extrapolating data from my clients to see what is that, what is the large value that they are seeing. And me, the metric is, it's very hard to measure, but the metric is the lifestyle they are living, the value providing that lifestyle they're living. So I am often checking in, Hey, how is the lifestyle? Is there anything else that you're trying to offload or, Mm -hmm. um, or maybe do more efficiently and I've heard a lot of great things. And through this, it's given them the ability to a few few sales points is one, do more of what they love, whether that's a hobby or their family or a sure. business. And the second one, the largest one, as any business goes with, whether that's hiring employees or offloading work, is the ability to take a step back out of the day-to-day you know, grind and see the business um, in the whole, the whole entirety of it and be able to forecast maybe months, years ahead and possibly think about new product launches or um, other ways that they want to grow the company. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you feel like stock investing is too confusing, too time consuming, or too risky? It doesn't have to be. Introducing Ticker, an easy to use platform that guides you to low risk and high return stocks. Ticker has proven to beat the market every year for 20 years. From 1999 through 2019, the lowest annual return was 10% and the highest return was 96%. Get started today with a free trial. Visit ticker.pro. We've got another technical question here. When you, with the clients you're serving, how many products, different SKUs are they typically selling? Yes. So it is, it can be one. Um, of course, mm-hmm. but I would say a good amount of these clients are working between 15 and I've gone up to, I think, 65. Wow. 
business. Yeah, so many times that is variations of a product. So whether that's a different color or a different size, um, but yeah, they can add up fast. Can you tell the audience about one of the biggest challenges you faced and how you overcame that challenge? I would say the largest challenge is when it comes to understanding, like I mentioned earlier, is understanding the, it's, it's building the trust as well as understanding the client. So if, because in, at the end of the day, these companies are not my companies, right? The clients that I work with, they are not my companies. They're not my dollars. They're not my products, not my, my reputation. So they are, it's, it's their baby many times. It's their way to get to the lifestyle they want to live. So depending upon the personality of the owners you work with, they can either be um, very involved or they might be completely out of it. So um, building up that trust and understanding and asking the questions, I would say is the most difficult part because I have to understand and basically map out their thinking, their thought processes, because they want, what they want is they want it to continue running how they like it to be ran. So it's not here I come in and here are all my ways. Yes, I can bring my experience. Yes, I can bring my, um, my thoughts as well, but oftentimes they want it to continue how it's continuing. So I have to map out their process of thinking of how they go through different problems, different um, inventory issues, different customer um, conversations and understanding their thought process so that I can repl replicate it. So it's the way that I approach it is very individualized. And, but I would say that is the largest, largest hurdle is to understand that as well as gain that trust because mm -hmm. it takes a lot of time, a lot of questions to understand them. And then as you replicate that, it, it takes time to build that trust so that they can feel like they're able to walk away. I want to circle back to a comment that was made in the very beginning, which was you started networking. I think you made the comment you spent like maybe two months or so networking. Mm -hmm. That's how you probably obtained your first client or two. And could you tell us about your marketing strategy? I assume networking is a big component of that. Is that right? Yes. So um, right now I have, since I've filled up my plate with clients, I have not, <laughs> been, I have not been pushing much on those efforts. So, but, you know, like I mentioned earlier on uh, finding these certain opportunities that I lined up with, it was a lot of getting out there and anybody that I was interested in or um, they, for some reason, whatever they said or did or their profession spoke to me in some way, I scheduled a coffee date and I bought them coffee and we sat down and it was very similar to this conversation here where I'd ask them about their path, what, yep. what, um, what got them where they are and what they're looking for in the future, things of that nature. So, um, yeah, that's, that's us. I, I would almost call it my favorite pastime. I love networking. So, um, but when it comes to this business right now, at this time, I am not putting a crazy amount of effort in just because right. I am, I have my plate pretty full. Yep. So you're maxed. And yes. Yep. You're maxed. And, and now is the time to, and let's talk about this scaling your own business. So what's your plan here to bring on more people and offload some of this more laborsome activity? 
Yes, so that is actually just something that I started thinking about in the past couple of weeks. I do not have a plan ready yet, but what it will look like is adding one or two more clients and then hiring somebody and offloading the less crucial aspects of the businesses onto those people first so that they yep. get their feet wet and then slowly teaching them the um, more high level operations. Yeah, that's a smart call. And it sounds like you're going to have to bite the bullet a little bit. And let's say you go from just a couple clients on up to four. I'm just using hypotheticals here. Now you're going to be working a lot of hours and we'll get into hours later on in the episode, but it's like, okay, there goes your free time. But, um, you know, if you've got sustainable revenue based on that, you can bring on other people, pay for them, pay their salaries or however you pay them, you know, as opposed to your alternative or another option would be, you could go try to raise funds or take a loan from a bank and, and you don't want to take on debt. Forget that. All right. So it sounds like it's, it's a slow scalable business, but I think once you've got the right people in place, you know, and this may take a year or two, few years, whatever, you've definitely got yourself in a position where you're in a lifestyle business, you know, like any business owner wants to be is you've, you can kind of back away at, at, at certain times of the year, but I could definitely see that happening with this business model. Is that where you see things going? Definitely. Currently, that's where it's currently it's where it's at right now. Is I like I mentioned, my highest mark. I, I realized my highest marketable skill was in the Amazon space. So mm-hmm. that's really why I went into it and I built what it's currently at right now around the lifestyle I want to currently live. And then in the next stage of my life, then it, I will likely be growing it to then tailor to that future lifestyle that I want to live. Yeah, totally. And then you think about the, the sellability, you know, of the business itself. You know, I've heard in, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard FBA businesses can sell between one and three X EBITDA, which for round numbers, those listening, it's close to revenue. It's not exactly revenue, but you know, I would see your business model. Let's say you grew this service, this agency to a certain number. I bet just based on the clients you're serving, I bet you could sell it for between one and three X. Ideally, the higher the multiple, the better. <laughs> of course, of course. Right, right. So, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good overview of the type of uh, business you've created. And I um, really appreciate you telling us your story and how to get there. Um, what I'd like to do now is transition to a fun round called the rapid fire round. So if you could respond to each question in 15 seconds or less. You ready? Got it. Go for it. Favorite podcast. Favorite podcast, The Tim Ferriss Show. All right. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? A book called Slow Burn, and I would recommend it to any runners. Mm, okay. All right. Favorite movie. Favorite movie. Right now, I would say Sahara with Matthew McConaughey. Really? That's a classic. Yes. And Steve Zahn. Absolutely. Yes, he is hilarious. <laughs> Ah, uh, good one. All right. Favorite food? Favorite food? Avocados. Good choice. All right. The hours question. How many hours do you currently work per week? Work? Uh, it's a loose term. Um, <laughs> billable, billable hours is currently at, depend upon how I want my weeks to go and vacations and certain things like that. It can be roughly about 20 hours per week. 
Good for you. You've got a pretty automated system there. Nice. It worked well. Cool. All right. How many hours do you sleep each night? I sleep. I used to try to minimize the amount of hours I slept. Um, just minimize? So I, what? Just so I could work more. And <laughs> <laughs> that was not sustainable. So now I'm sleeping roughly seven and a half to eight hours. Good for you. That's healthy. I, I like asking that question. There's one guest on the podcast that raised a really good statistic that if you are getting an average of five hours or less, it's actually equivalent to working drunk because your thought process and ability to make decisions, your ability to produce good output is just reduced significantly. Definitely. And people can get caught in that reactive mode of you know, I need to wake up early so I can get everything done. And then they try to just work so long and hard, which I've mm. done I've been there. But then you look back and if you actually take the time to think, which you usually don't because your head's so cloudy because you're so tired and overworked. Totally. If you take that time, you realize, wow, I got, uh, I could have got that done in half the time if I were to take care of myself. Yes. Smart. Last question here. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? I would go back to 19 years old and say, it will all work out. <laughs> I'm the type of person where I'm, a, I'm planning, wanting to just make sure everything works out great. And I would look back and say then, hey, you'll figure it out. That's awesome. Good, Good advice. All right. Well, thanks a lot for joining me here, Zach. Appreciate your time. The last question here would be, where can the audience reach you? Yes. The website is stokeunlimited.com. Awesome. All right, Zach. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Payback Time Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please provide a review on iTunes. If you'd like to hear an interview from someone specific, please make a comment on the Payback Time Facebook page. If you're interested in becoming an affiliate and earning 30% reoccurring commission for simply sharing Ticker, visit ticker.pro slash affiliates. Remember, this show is for entertainment purposes only. If you heard any stock mentioned on this podcast, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is copyright protected by payback time. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Don't believe in anyone, I believe I'm self-made, yeah.